0: Hey, everybody, give the South Florida Symphony Orchestra another big round of applause. They were awesome. You know, I know we're going to highlight them in a a second as well, but I just want to say, I think, first I want to thank Earl Bosworth for uh, bringing them, for for, uh, having the idea of having them come today. Uh, They are incredibly impressive. They are really a Broward County Orchestra, and they're folks that... You know, frankly, I uh, am very proud of, I just want to quickly read you uh, about them. Uh, This was uh, selected by me today um, as our song, for our songs of the day. And the South Florida Symphony Orchestra was founded by maestro Sabrina Maria Alfonso in 1997. The 2009 headquarters shift to Broward County enabled the symphony to extend its reach throughout South Florida under the brand South Florida Symphony Orchestra. The symphony's current 18th se- season features over 40 performances. The season includes two performances at the Broward Center's Amaturo Theater. In January, the symphony presented Beethoven's Ninth Symphony with the Master Chorale of South Florida and four renowned so- soloists at the Parker Playhouse. In February, the symphony performed at the Broward Center's Rey Theater to delight of over 1,300 patrons in attendance as 1,001 nights filled the air with musical enchantments. In 2016, the symphony entered into a partnership with Broward Turnaround Arts Elementary Schools, Bethune, Lake Forest, and Walker. Turnaround Arts is a program initiated by the Presidential Commission on the Arts and Humanities to bring arts-based education opportunities to struggling schools. The symphony is working directly with the Turnaround Art Schools to bring concerts and music instruction to the children. The symphony also collaborates with PNC Bank to bring volunteers from the business community to the schools, thus serving as inspiration for Broward County youth who are culturally underserved and financially disadvantaged. Today we had Greg Falkstein, who is the Viola dina uh, D- D- dina coast of on violin tina romandi on violin and aaron Merritt the on cello and the president and ceo is jacqueline lorber please give them all another round of applause they were awesome <laughs> and the last thing i want to say before we start i mentioned him before but i want to thank our wonderful director earl bosworth for the great work that he does for our community you know uh, there's a saying that each of us have somebody that's called the doppelganger and my staff thinks that Earl and I are similar people and that we're both very happy and uh, always energetic <laughs> but everybody agrees and I agree that Earl is way cooler than I and uh, this was Earl's idea he plays in a band he's a wonderful guy so thank you Earl for the great work that you do now with that said we're gonna call the meeting to order oh. <laughs> we're gonna call the meeting to order and I'd like to ask Martin Calla and Amber Pristis, they are two folks that we're going to be honoring today in our Broward Good News, uh, to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands,
1: one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
0: It's customary before the beginning of each county commission meeting for us to observe a moment of silence to honor people from our community who have recently passed away. Colleagues, do you have anyone you'd like to remember during this moment of
2: silence? Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. I wish wish this was a, I wish you could follow Commissioner uh, Lois Wexler's hopes that I don't have anybody to mention, but unfortunately I do. Uh, Ryan Ryder, who used to work in my office, uh, that you all know very well, his father passed away. Uh, just a few days ago David writer uh, was 52 years old from Coral Springs and he was a graduate of, the United, uh, of sorry UNC Chapel Hill a small business owner here in Broward County he was a garden guardian ad Lightum. he was also part of the leadership Broward class 27 and he co-chaired a lot of events uh, for leadership uh, Broward uh, he had uh, he had a daughter Paige and uh, obviously you know his son Ryan friend and a former spouse, Amanda, and they will be having a uh, celebration of his life and a service uh, on Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. in Coral Springs at the Career Funeral Home and Cremation Center. In lieu of flowers, the family's requesting contributions made to the voices of children of Broward County. Uh, he was born in 1963, a little too close to home for me, but if you keep uh, Ryan and his mom and sister in your thoughts and prayers, it would mean a lot to me.
0: And of course, let's keep the women and men of our armed forces who serve us both home and overseas in our in our prayers and thoughts. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, as mayor, I designated this year as the year of good news, and at each commission meeting, we will bring good news to the public by highlighting the successes of our county the economic engines of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans, and other positive happenings. This week, Vice Mayor Barbara Sharif will be providing good news, and she is going to be honoring uh, two wonderful students, Martin Kalla, who was ranked first in his class, and Amber Pristis, who has the most, uh, the most service hours in her class and has dedicated so much time to her community. So, Vice Mayor Sharif, take it away. Okay, you guys need
3: to give them a round. and can martin and amber please come join me
0: by the way martin has the best name in this place
3: (laughs) yeah you know what and he's the better looking
0: (laughs) yes he is (laughs) yes he is (laughs) okay martin
3: stay right there okay so these these are two exceptional students and residents of district eight and uh as the mayor has stated this is the year of good news And I think good news has a lot to do with our future and our children are our future, Amber and Martin. And so I would like to read this proclamation. Whereas the mayor has designated this year as the year of good news. At each commission meeting, the commission will bring good news to the public by highlighting the successes of our um, county, the economic engines of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans and other positive happenings. And whereas Amber, Priestess is a senior at West Broward High School in Pembroke Pines, and whereas Amber has been named Most Valuable Bobcat for her outstanding leadership and scholastic abilities and her demonstrated work ethic and character, and whereas Amber is ranked in the top 5% of her class and has a GPA of 4.9. She has received, you can clap for that, let's go. She has received several scholastic honors, including the Comcast Leader and Achiever Award, Argulo Achiever, Student Ambassador, Bobcat Red Award. And whereas in addition to her amazing academic achievements, Amber has been an active member of the West Broward's clubs and organizations, accumulating 1,022 community service hours, the most in her class. She is Vice President of the Student Government Association and has been a member of the Key Club, the Spirit Club, and the Bobcat Buddies. And whereas as part of her service hours, Amber planned and organized Amber's Painting with Passion in order to make, raise funds for Make-A-Wish Southern Florida. Amber has been designated to be part of the Year of Good News for her contribution to West Broward High School and to the City of Pembroke Pines. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby recognizes as part of the Year of Good News, Amber Pristus for her hard work and dedication in Broward County,
0: Florida. Nice job, Amber.
3: Okay, and along with that, Mayor, we have Martin Calla. He is a senior at West Broward High School in Pembroke Pines, and Martin is the valedictorian of the class of
4: 2016. Clap for
3: that. Absolutely. He is ranked number one in the class of 2016 since the ninth grade. Martin has received several scholastic honors, including the National AP Scholar Award, the National AP Scholar with Distinction Award, the National AP Scholar with Honor Award, and the National Hispanic Recognition Program Award. And whereas in addition to Martin's remarkable (laughs) academic achievements, (laughs) including serving as Vice President of the National Honor Society, He is a member of West Broward High School's varsity swim team and has been the team captain since his junior year. Martin is involved in the youth leadership program, YLB, and worked on a community service project with six other juniors to teach children how to be leaders in their own lives. The group received the best service project presentation award at the YLB graduation ceremony. And whereas Martin also belongs to the Teen Trendsetters Club, where he tutors local elementary students, through teen trendsetters, the Future Educators of America named him the Outstanding Trendsetter and Outstanding New Member, and whereas Martin has been designated to be part of the Year of Good News for his contribution to West Broward High School and the City of Pembroke Pines, as well as our future. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of Broward County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the Board hereby designates um, Martin Calla for his hard work and as dedication in Broward County, Florida somebody forgot the date on this proclamation uh, March the 1st 2016 <laughs> GPA is a 5.0. 5.4. 5.6. Martin, he's definitely the better
0: Martin.
5: Oh yeah, big his time. GPA, his all,
3: GPA
5: all,
0: is a 5.6. No, the, all I learned from that is the only thing we have in common is our name. Other than that, though, he is way more impressive than me. <laughs> well, I think
3: that these impressive teenagers deserve a photo with the entire commission. So, can you all, you want to? I think come down, come down, come down. Yeah. And and Mayor, can I just say one other thing? These children would not be as exceptional as they are without the parents that's sitting behind us. So
0: That was wonderful, Vice Mayor Sharif. I'm very impressive. Absolutely. Very impressive. You know, um, I, I think that was, I, Vice Mayor Sharif, that was a, some wonderful kids that you just, uh, young, young men and women that you just honored today. And I have to tell you, I'm very touched because I was watching how the parents were watching their kids as they were up there with you. And as you know, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and my goal in life is if I can look at my kids at their age the same way their parents did, then my life will be complete. So thank you for what yeah. you did. You. Yes, absolutely, and we'll, we'll definitely fix the proclamation for you. Um, now, for those of you in the audience, please turn off and silence your cell phones. Any member of the audience who wishes to address the county commission on an item on today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker's form located on the dais and furnish it to staff. Once the item is called, further speaker sign will not be allowed and you may not be permitted to speak. When you are called upon, you will have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments to the subject being discussed. We ask that you address the commission in a polite manner, and that you refrain from making impertinent remarks or personal attacks. If you fail to do so, you will not be permitted to continue speaking. Please be respectful to those who are speaking today. We do not allow any applause, cheering, or booing during the meeting. Any person disrupting the proceeding will be asked to leave the chamber. I'm now going to be reading the Tuesday night memo. The following requests are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are numbers one through 40. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections. Item number 35 is deferred up to 35 days at the request of Commissioner Wexler. Item number 37 is a motion to, is a Scrivener's error. Item number 37, motion to approve statement currently reads disbursement of $57,000 should read disbursement of $52,000. There is no additional information. Without objection, I request items number 42, 43, and 44 be moved to consent. Um, additional material for the 10 a.m. meeting, 1E to 1F board appointments. Item number eight, Central Broward Unincorporated District Allocation, submitted by county administration. Item number 42, memo to the board, submitted by the Finance Administrative Services Department. Item number 43, the memo to the board, submitted by Finance Administrative Services Department. Item number 46, resolution from the Tourist Development Council, submitted by Commissioner Lois Wexler. Item number 46-2: memo to county administrator, submitted by Vice Mayor Barbara Sharif. Now I'm going to ask if there are any polls uh, from the consent agenda from any of my colleagues. Uh, we'll start with Commissioner Fur. No. Commissioner Wechsler.
6: Yes, 8, 27, and 38 for recusal. Okay. okay.
0: Commissioner Ritter. Eight. Commissioner Ryan.
7: None.
0: Vice Mayor Sharif. None. Commissioner Lamarca. 14, 19, 23. Commissioner Holmes. 8 and
8: 29. 29?
0: Commissioner Bogan.
1: None.
0: And I request that items 26 and 29 also be pulled as well. We also have an audience poll, which is item number twenty-nine. Uh, do I have a motion on the consent agenda? Second. All. Oh, okay. Uh, the uh, consent agenda. Cons- I was trying to get a, get a, get out of it. <laughs> but I'll do. It. No, I can do it. We're, I'm just looking for my memo. Um, oh, thank you. So the consent agenda will be items, numbers uh, one through 40, minus 8, 29, 14, 19, 23, 27, 38, and 26. Uh, do I have a motion on the consent agenda? And it,
9: and it also includes items 42, 42.
0: 42 oh, that's 44. right. And 42 and 43, that's right. So moved. And 44, 44. It's 42, 42, 42, 43, 44, and 49. And 49. No, okay. no, not 49. On regular well 42 43 44 went to consent. to consent yeah 42 43 44 went to consent 49 still on regular which has Correct. to stay on regular yep and do i have 3 and yeah very funny you know what i mean so we have a motion in a second all in favor signify by saying aye. aye all opposed show the item passes unanimously show the consent agenda passed unanimously we will start now with the first item pulled which is item number eight which is a motion to adopt the budget resolution within the general fund for the Broward Sheriff's Office in the amount of $6,138,000 for purposes of relocating funds uh, from BSO Reserve for future capital outlay projects. Uh, This was pulled by a number of county commissioners. Uh, We will start with Commissioner
8: Holness. Yeah, I I, I pulled this item uh, because I put a PBMI in. On, on some issues. I know others will have some other items to discuss, but since it's here, I figure it's a place for me to talk a little bit about the Broad Municipal Service District, uh, mostly referred to as the unincorporated area. Uh, I'm grateful to see that we're going to have body cameras for all the officers there, as is uh, was uh, answered in my PBMI my report as to how many would have it covered. Uh, But I have some uh, uh, other questions that I'd ask in terms of how many officers we have covering that area. And this was done because of uh, complaints from the community that we don't have enough officers there. At one of our homeowners association meeting, I thought I heard there were four vacancies. Now the report says there are two. Uh, And and, and one question for you, uh, Mrs. Henry. Or do we get communication as to what the vacancies on a regular basis or what's going on with the number of offices in, in that municipal area?
10: I'm not aware that we get regular communication, but any time we would like to know what that number is, we can call and get the information and then they've, they've been very forthcoming.
8: Because at, at one of the meetings, I was told there were only two offices covering the entire area, and I had uh, spoken previously to uh, Mr. Jefferson, Alfonso Jefferson, who you have coordinated in that area. And he told me that there ought to be a minimum of four people per shift.
3: Um,
10: for uh, the unincorpor- patrol deputies? Yes. The, the answer is yes. yes. Um, the total staffing in the unincorporated area, that includes the sergeants, the lieutenant, etc., is about 38. But there are 25 um, patrol officers. With a schedule to, it's my understanding there should be four um, per shift um, in the uh, between Central County and um, Broadview. Broad yeah, Broadview.
8: All right. Uh, <clears throat> now, the other question I have have there been any acts from the Sheriff's Office for additional offices? For the unincorporated area, for the uh, Broad Municipal uh, Service District.
10: I'm, I'm not aware, I would have to, to query staff on that.
8: <laughs> it, it is a little troubling for me because I'm hearing from uh, the residents in the community, uh, homeowners association president that uh, the sheriff's office is, uh, or folks from the sheriff's office saying, we are not giving them enough folks to cover the area, uh, and, and that's what led to my inquiry. Because when I'm told there are only two offices, and then we ought to have at least four covering the area. That's you know not good uh, that we have two, per, if that's the case. I mean, and that's why I'm trying to find out where's the communication in, in all of this, uh, if that's happening. Uh, for me to be out in the community at Homeowners Association meeting, our Central County Advisory Board meeting, and um, being basically practically accosted that we're not providing enough, enough officers because there's only two and I'm I'm here getting a response here that there ought to be at least four per shift at any given time based on the fact that we have uh 25 deputies that are are to be on the road uh in in the community uh designated for that and and I know there's a breakdown in terms of lieutenant's and and, and other positions beyond that 25 that adds up to 38 positions correct Correct. Thank you.
0: Uh, oh, okay, um, Commissioner Ryan, and then we'll go to Commissioner Wexler. I we'll know the start.
11: Commissioner Wexler asked first, but I just want to follow up on on this inquiry because we need to differentiate between the unincorporated area of Brow- of Broadview Park, which I represent. And Central Broward, which you represent, and then there's a a small northern section, which is kind of like some some properties that are you know um, in the coconut Creek area, so we don't have any b s o that that covers that northern area is that is that done by coconut creek?
10: I will have to confirm with staff what actually happens um, for that unincorporated area there, I, I don't have an answer.
11: And I don't know if uh, the BSO uh, personnel that's here this morning, I know they're here on, on, a, um, on a budget appropriation, but are you able to speak to this issue about how many officers that you have on a shift at Broadview, which is separated several miles from the unincorporated you know, Fort Lauderdale area? Uh, So, because you kept mentioning two officers. I don't know if there's two officers or three officers per shift at Broadview and maybe three or four or two in in Fort Lauderdale. Can you speak to the issue? You can come up. Colonel Harrington, who knows everything BSO. Boy, I wish that was true. Uh, Tom Harrington with the Broward
12: Sheriff's Office. Um, Commissioner Holness, uh, I I did a little research uh, as a result of that Homeowners Association meeting. And what I learned is that, yes, there are four uh, deputies assigned to that patrol area. At the time that that person was asked, one person was on an assignment, another person was booking a prisoner. So at that particular moment in time, there were two, uh, what we call 10-8 or in-service deputies that were available. Four were there. Two were available immediately for response to calls.
11: It's, and it's, it's a, uh, it's commissioner
0: Reiner,
12: still the new commissioner Wexler. So,
11: uh, with respect to Broadview, which is about the same population, are there also um, four officers that are on patrol in the various shifts? Um, commissioner, I will
12: I will get that information. It's a little outside my bailiwick, um, but as I understand it, those two areas share the four officers or the four deputies. But I, I I will get that information for you.
11: Uh, so so it's shared between Broadview. All right and, and again as I mentioned, are separated by several miles. So, all right, C- Commissioner Wexler.
6: Hi. Right, so what is does <laughs> What does it literally mean? That's what we're having. Does anyone know? <laughs> I just repeated out.
12: it. It sounded no, no, good. No, we
6: we know, we use it and we understand how we use it, gonna go, but I'm we're going to find <laughs> out. He my, my colleague says <laughs> what what. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Google, which no Wick. I thought it was maybe a bundle of something <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about body cameras, and I want to talk about the answer to my PBMI question that i'm really not um, I don't think it's thorough enough, so let me let me rephrase and then maybe we can find a better answer. Um, When you're rolling this program out for District 5 and regional, and for the record, I fully support this. However, what I really need to make sure is that the mechanism, and that's the term that I used in my PBMI, is in place for recouping the cost, at least the cost of operating and maintaining, so O&M, as it relates to the program itself. So last spring, when the sheriff sat before us in our workshop, we had this discussion regarding rolling this program out, and we knew that vendors were out there and wanted to, I know you don't like to use the word pilot, but I'm gonna use that word, um, demonstrate, demonstration sites. Maybe that's a better, better terminology to use. And they um, were very willing, and, and my understanding is, have you selected one or two or three, or have you selected who's, doing the, who, who's demonstrating at the moment? Is this rolled out at all?
12: There are four separate vendors that uh, we are evaluating their equipment. Two are still being evaluated right now
6: do any deputies have cameras on them at the moment they do they do okay and so two of the vendors product is being used in the field right now that is correct, correct. the other two vendors have been used
12: one has been used and one uh, responded to the initial inquiry but <laughs> never showed up
6: so when you and I spoke the, the sense was is that there's kind of like two that are really viable out there that BSO is considering.
12: That would be correct.
6: Correct. Okay. So at what point do you think you're going to be ready to make that decision? Because you really only want one vendor. I, is that true? That is you correct. You do want one vendor? And at what point do you believe you'll be ready to make that decision?
12: Uh, March 18th. Oh,
6: Okay. Getting some mighty strong feedback here. Okay. Um, the approval of this item today allows you to build infrastructure. That is correct. And that is a, a, a necessity to the successful implementation of this program, no doubt about it. My colleague who represents Lauderdale Lakes. Um, mentioned 40 officers and that all 40 officers would have the body cameras on them is that correct that is correct but that's the, that's all shifts that's 24 7 so don't not ever does would they have their own body camera assigned to them or do they trade off
12: they would have their their own assigned to them but it would be docked at the end of each shift in order to upload all okay. of the video
6: so then 40 officers requires 40 cameras that is correct all right I'm just trying to really understand how this whole thing works. So, you need to build the facility that with with the docking stations and with the ability to keep the store the infrastructure, redact the redact when people make requests, public record requests, attorneys, whatever whatever it may be. The cost of all of this regional cost i get being a county um, responsibility that mechanism that i spoke about Mm -hmm. in my pbmi and if march 18th you're looking to go pick a vendor that's right around the corner why was my answer to how the how lauderdale lakes is going to pay you for this service was so non-declarative. It was a mechanism is being worked on. I then asked, are you going to amend the contract? And the answer to that was um, contract cities will not necessarily require an amendment to the existing contracts. I don't understand, though, how then you're going to recoup dollars for operation and or (laughs) How are they going to pay their fair share? Because I'm going to tell you what, I've gone down the slide of E911, as you know, and I'm not willing to go down that slide again for this type of a regional service, colleagues. And if that's where this may be heading, and I hope not, at what point in time will we have something definitive from BSO about how you are going to recoup fiscally From your contract cities
12: well let me start by saying this commissioner we do not we do it is not our intention in the least to use regional money to subsidize contract cities uh, as it relates to this body camera issue Uh, as far as the um, pricing structure for each of the contract cities uh, luckily i brought my expert with me so i'm going to ask captain john appell to come and uh, address that issue
4: Good morning, Captain John Brown, Sheriff's Office. Um, we're basing our infrastructure on approximately 1,500 cameras, which would cover the entire agency for regional and for contract cities. And we'll be able, once we go to contract and finalize a contract, come up with a cost per deputy, per camera, per year. And that's going to be a combination of capital and operating. So the reason we can't give you a final mechanism of how we're going to uh, recoup those costs is because we don't know which portions are going to be capital and which are going to be operating. Uh, Some of the capital costs will be um, able to be utilized from individual contract cities trust funds. Um, But I can tell you that as far as the infrastructure we're outlaying now, when we go back to the contract cities and say the cost per deputy, per camera, per year is X, we will incorporate the capital cost, the cost for the infrastructure that we're initially putting out now, and the reoccurring operating costs going forward. We're in the final phases of evaluating the two hardware and software companies. Once we make an award on the 18th, we will enter contract negotiations, and then we'll be able to get a definitive cost of a a price per deputy, per camera. But to clarify the issue with Lauderdale Lakes, while we have the need for 40 cameras, they'll only be put out on the road as the funding becomes available from Lauderdale Lakes. When we go to Lauderdale Lakes and say this is the cost per deputy, per camera, if in the initial rollout they can only cover the expense or the cost of 10 cameras, then they'll only have 10 cameras that go out in year one. When we go to a different contract city, for example, say Deerfield, if Deerfield says that you know we're gonna provide the funding for 100% implementation on day one, then that's the amount of cameras that they'll be getting. But our costing will be per camera, per deputy, per year.
6: Captain, that's why you're at the microphone. Um, I appreciate that answer. We meet with the sheriff, for his budget in May. May? Do you think, Captain, that in May, May, March 18th, you're going to have your contractor identified? Do you think in May you'll have a better idea of what the costs will be for um, the cities?
4: I will definitely have a better idea in May of what the actual cost will be, but I do not think that we're gonna have those numbers in time to build it into the budget going forward for next year. Um, where the cost of the contract cities are going to have to be above and beyond their existing contracts because of how far we already are in the budget process. Right
6: now, I think you're very f- far along in, a, in 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 this whole implementation. My concern is is that once you reach the number that you explained of what the cost is the cost factor, building capital and operations and maintenance for a camera, then You're going to go back to the contract cities and lay it out and say this is, hypothetically, $1,000 an officer. If that's the case, they're going to then make a decision. What I was looking for, and that was the essence of my question in writing, was what methodology is BSO going to use for the implementation of the body camera program? You have to have some kind of an agreement with these cities I mean, it's not—we're not talking a handshake here. We're talking about either it's got to be in your actual contract with the cities, or there's got to be some kind of an addendum that identifies a. And I'm thinking—I don't know if um, um, the law enforcement trust fund <coughs> can pay for some of this, as far yeah. as your cities are. But I don't want to get into. I, I,
4: mean, I can—I can tell you that I can't speak for legal for OGC, right. but right. I can tell you that we would not move forward. Uh, with a contract, with a vendor, until we put a mechanism in place in writing. Obviously, that would show the obligation for each of the respective contract cities and the regional entities as to the number of cameras and infrastructure that we wow. put out on the street.
6: Um, Lieutenant Colonel and yourself can bring the message back then to the sheriff that come May, um, I will be asking this question again, and hopefully we'll have more definitive information at that point in time.
4: Thank and and you. I, I can tell you that we we have an idea of where we're going right. to end up cost-wise, but because we haven't um, entered negotiations, Captain, we...
6: it's not the cost. It's the recouping of the cost that I'm interested in. I don't care if you tell me it's ten thousand dollars a unit. I don't care what the Can cost I write that
4: is. Down?
6: <laughs> I don't care what the cost is because it's not going to be borne by the Board of County Commissioners. It's going to be borne by the cities. I just want to make sure that fiduciary, as far as fiduciary responsibility of those cities are concerned, that there's some mechanism in writing in place, and the word I think of is contract language, but you guys seem to shy away from that answer when I suggested it in my PBMI question, which is why I'm asking.
4: Well, we're, we're definitely on the same page. I can okay. assure you that that mechanism will be there and okay. there will be some sort of document that legal will work out on that aspect of it. Thank you, Cap. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Ritter.
13: Thank you the problem with not having a contract is that it's it's um dependent upon every budget year the commission whether it's the city or the county agreeing on it so um when we had this when we had a meeting with the sheriff and and his um administration a year ago we were told body cameras were coming and and the fact that a year later you you don't even have any indication from the cities uh, as to whether or not they would even agree to pay their fair share of body cameras is disturbing to me since you're asking us for money.
4: We do have an indication from the cities. Um, The first step in the process is the individual contract cities have to build their own infrastructure um, as far as to support the cameras. So for argument's sake with the current infrastructure that sits in a particular district, most of our contract cities only have IT infrastructure to, say, support eight or ten cameras at this point in time. And they need to bring in bandwidth and IT support to support, for argument's sake, say, 100 or 150 cameras. That first step of building the infrastructure, what we're building in the District 5 situation, is going to be scalable to all the other contract cities. So we're going to be able to go to, for argument's sake, Deerfield and say, okay, based on your size and population. This is the scaled version of the body camera room that you need to build. I can tell you that we've had conversations with the majority of the contract cities, and they're all anxious to start building their infrastructure.
13: Um, I wonder if they're anxious to start paying for it.
4: Well, I mean, obviously the bill bill is the second part of the equation, but in the, you know, environment of what's going on right now, we haven't seen any resistance or anybody that doesn't want to get involved. Um, It's just hard for us to give definitive numbers. Um, until the the vendor is selected because the final piece of the body camera room build out is the actual hardware that the cameras sit in, um, where they dock and where they (coughs) upload and where they transfer data, and those costs are different based on the vendors.
13: Of the $538,000 you're requesting from this board today, how much of that would be Lauderdale Lakes reimbursement portion, if any?
4: Well, the money is based on building out a system of 750 cameras or infrastructure for 750 cameras. Lauderdale Lakes would need to support approximately 40 of those cameras. Uh,
13: okay, so um, so is any, any, any part of this $538,000 recoverable from a contract city?
4: Yeah, when we build out the cost of the room itself and the number of cameras, we'll be able to take the cost that it costs us to build the room and increase the cost for the contract cities to include that portion. We're looking at uh, initial con- uh, capital outlay for the contract cities, storage costs, personnel costs, data costs, infrastructure, but they're also gonna have to pay for their portion of the build out of these rooms.
13: So um, today you're asking the Board of County Commissioners to allocate you um, a half a million plus, plus a half a million dollars plus in the belief that that a portion of that will be recovered by well, contract cities?
4: Well, we know we're going to recover a portion of it. Not all of this infrastructure is for contract cities. Some of it is for the public safety building, um, for our regional deputies, mm-hmm. for the infrastructure that needs to be put in place. Um, part of this money is for the build-out of District 5, Lauderdale Lakes, and their combined location. The other part of it is for our infrastructure internally in the public safety building.
13: Can you break that down for me?
4: Um, I can tell you that the internal PSB building upgrades are approximately $45,000. The District 5 Lauderdale Lakes architectural design was 18,000. There's approximately $100,000 in IT hardware between the two locations. $200,000 is for the docks themselves. That number will fluctuate depending on the vendor. And the build-out of the District 5 Lauderdale Lakes room itself is about 125,000. And then we left $50,000 for unknown expenses.
13: So about $300,000 plus is, a portion of which is recoverable by contract cities. Yes, is that is that okay? Yes. Is that right? Okay. Um, I, when I when I think about the the budget workshop where we discussed body cameras with the sheriff, I recall him and, and I'm if I'm wrong if my recollection is incorrect I hope you will correct me but I recall him saying that there was going to be a program and the body cameras were gonna be paid for by the vendor, a vendor. Um, I assumed that to mean the program would be paid for no, by what, the vendor.
4: What they're paying for right now is our early our evaluation, our test of, an, of hardware. We've had uh, approximately 100 body cameras on the road that started back in December and we're in the final phases of that now. The our equipment and software that was brought forward by the four different vendors have been a no-cost solution to the sheriff's office. So even the body cameras that are still in the field now that are being utilized by deputies from contract cities as well as regional services are not costing the sheriff's office anything at this point.
13: Okay. Um, Thank you. Um, A bailiwick is a person-specific area of interest, skill, or authority, just so you know. So thank you for explaining your bailiwick to us. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor.
2: Um, Commissioner LaMarca question I had was answered by Colonel Harrington. Commissioner Fur.
14: Thanks. Actually, I want to congratulate, congratulate uh, Harrington for such a precise use of the word Bailey. Very good. <laughs> um, my, my concern on this is we're, I, I, I don't feel like we're getting a, the big picture of what this is all going to be costing and what it's going to look like. And I don't want to be kind of be piecemeal to death on this. And, because here we're, we're being asked for one little part. But I, I don't see the, you know, where it's, you know, where the, the, the back end of it, the front end, who's paying for what. I, I, I can think, explain. I think for, I think for us, um, and, and I support, the, I support it in, in concept, but I need to see the big picture. I think all of us want to see that, because we don't know what the overall cost is going to be, what we're, you know, what the regional cost is, what the cities. Li- I mean, I really want to see a memorandum of, un- of understanding from each city, to know mm. that they're on board. Because what, what if you have only half of them on board? Then you don't need as big an infrastructure. I want to see what, uh, like the city of Hollandale, who's already been doing it for over a year now. I want to see what they're, um, you know, what's been happening there. I want to see that kind of analysis. If you've already had a hundred going out there, I want to see that analysis and see what, what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. To have us do it this way, I think, is not a good way to do it because we're not we're not seeing a clear picture at all. All we're saying, all we're seeing, is, you know, just like a little a little pit. Well, I, I could tell you
4: why we're doing it this way. Um, okay. I understand your concerns and the ability to see the big picture. Um, the infrastructure that we're coming forward to pay for right now uh, would be the same infrastructure no matter which vendor we selected. Um, basically, we're looking to build a house and we've got to buy the land first. Um, we have to put IT infrastructure in place to support body cameras no matter which vendor we go through. Um, and for us, to give you an example. so is
14: all, I'm sorry to interrupt you. So is all of this infrastructure, mm-hmm. all of this is the back end? Yes. It's all the back end?
4: Yeah. Yes. Um, so once the infrastructure is in place, this is our first request where we're coming forward and saying, to put the infrastructure in place, this is what it's going to cost. The next time you're going to see us is we come forward and say we've selected a vendor, and here's our formula and calculation of the cost per deputy, per camera, per year. And that cost will be inclusive of, hardware, operating capital, personnel, expenses, um, training, software, everything that goes into the equation, we'll be able to give you the big picture and say per deputy, per year, this is the cost, this is the vendor, this is why we made the selections that we did. But in an effort to move forward, we know that no matter which vendor we select, um, we need a certain infrastructure in place. And it's our intention to do this as quickly as we can. Uh, We are moving at a rapid pace. But we're moving as responsibly and as fiscally responsibly as we can. Okay,
14: thank
0: you, um, Commissioner Sharif, and then Commissioner Holness.
4: Thank
3: you, um, colleagues. During our workshop, I expressed some concern about the body camera program, and I'm going to express that once again because, you know, this has been a very reactive process of trying to bring body cameras to the forefront and every time i hear one of these items pitched it's always half-baked okay like commissioner wexler says it's not cooked it's never cooked enough but what really (coughs) disturbs me about this particular one is that when you're when we talked about this the first time they said they had a grant a law enforcement grant to test the cameras they had a grant and they said that they were going to test them and that they were going to see if they were effective, and, and you know they asked us for money. And at that time, we said we weren't likely to um, give that support for that. Now, I see this as another backdoor way to get around this body and this commission's uh, opinion of of who this money should come from. I am so sorry to inform you that you will never, probably in your lifetime or mine, see a resolution from the 31 cities and municipalities in Broward County paying for this. They are going to always send this back to us to pay for. Because they feel like this is something that we should be paying for, okay? So I don't think you're going to get any money back. Second thing is that I have a question. You can save $538,000 for regional body camera infrastructure all day long. But what does regional body camera infrastructure really entail? I think that we should have some details attached to this item to support what that $538,000 would entail. The second thing that I'm going to say during this discussion is that there are two types of body cameras that they say that they're testing. Whichever one gives you the better view, the most wide angle view, that's probably your best piece of equipment. However, with this caveat, that it will probably be obsolete within the next four years. Because most of these cameras only provide a single view, and most of them are controlled. And this this was the other issue that I brought up. I don't want a body camera that the person wearing it has the authority to turn it on or turn it off. If the body camera is going to truly be utilized in the way that it's meant to be utilized, then an officer should not have the ability to turn that on and turn that off. That body camera must be controlled when that officer comes on shift. I asked for that, and I don't see that in the backup as the approach to solve this this problem. Now, um, I'm black all day long, 24-7, every day of the week. And I know that this has been a black and African-American issue for a very long time. And I don't want to be one of those people that are just feeding on people's fear and putting things in place because people fear bad people that are on law enforcement. I believe that for the most part, we have great law enforcement professionals. And I want to, I'm very skeptical, very leery of this body camera program. And I want to make sure that if it is being utilized, that when an officer puts that body camera on and goes to work, that it remains on for the duration of the time that he is at work. It cannot just be cut on for the 50 seconds that he's in a struggle or having an interaction that he feels or that he deems it is necessary to turn it on. Until you can fix that, you will not receive a yes from me on support for this item. And so that's where I'm at today.
4: I can Thank address you. some of those concerns for you, Vice Mayor. Um, you can. Yes. Go ahead. Um, we currently have a policy that is in place, and the cameras that we're evaluating have functionality called pre-record. So when a deputy goes on shift and he takes that camera out of the dock, that camera's on, that camera is recording for the entire 12 hours that he is working. Um, while the deputy does have the ability to physically touch a button and capture what we call an event, but the camera itself is pre-recording the entire shift. So if the deputy were to get involved in an incident that he hadn't um, ahead of time put the camera on, once the event is concluded, he has the ability to capture that event, and up to two minutes prior to the deputy turning the camera on is captured. If we had a deputy that was involved in a, in a critical incident, we do have the ability. I'm going to stop
3: you there. You just told me it records for 12 hours. Then you said if he touches it, it records for up to two minutes before. That doesn't make any sense no, to me. No, what I'm saying
4: is it, it captures the event. It's the same thing as a DVR, then you go into a convenience store and it records for 12 hours, and then eventually would record over itself. If we have a deputy that's involved in a critical incident, and we just take that camera from him on scene and power it down, the entire 12 hours that he's been wearing that camera is captured on that camera, and we have the ability to recover that video and view it for the entire time that the camera's been running. Without any
3: interruption, without without any any editing, any of that stuff. Correct.
4: What I'm talking about is the fact that based on our preliminary numbers and the body cameras that are on the road, we anticipate capturing 1.2 million videos per year based on the tests that we've done. What I call an event is when a deputy goes on a call in particular and he captures an event and he classifies it to a case number or an incident. For us to go back and pull footage later on down the road or fill a public records request, we need an extensive back-end system.
3: So what I'm asking you is this, when the deputy touches the button, the, the camera is already recording, mm-hmm. he touches the button, what does that do, just catalog that, that particular cre- time that he touched the button?
4: It takes, it takes that point in time and creates an event and gives the deputy the ability to assign a case number to it or a classification. Okay. Um, so let's say a deputy is, you know, walking down the street, his camera's recording, he comes up to somebody in the community, he has an interaction. When he turns the camera or captures that event, it gives him the ability to classify the event. He can put in, say, a date, a time, a case number, an interaction, a traffic stop, whatever it might be. But, if that officer were to get involved in a critical incident, and after the fact he has the ability to use the prerecord functionality which will create a larger event, but to take it a step further, if that never occurred and the officer got into a critical incident, we still have an entire shift that is recorded on that body camera.
3: okay, now I answer my next question. What's the angle and the view on these cameras? How are you doing this? Because I know that there's several types of cameras on the market right now. Are you just taking the, doing the one or are you doing multiple? Tell me um, how you're doing. The equipment
4: that. we're testing right now is body mounted cameras. Uh, we have evaluated a head mounted solution. However, that the best video that we feel has come from a body solution because of the stability of the video.
3: Where is it?
4: Uh, the deputy's where it's basically Is it on
3: that second button again?
4: Um, they're different depending on the size of the deputy and their body structure. Uh, the lens itself moves, so they have the ability to scale it up and down on their body. Taller officers need to wear their cameras lower. Shorter officers need to wear them higher. What's um, the
3: angle view? What am I going to get? I'm just going to get what's in front of him again, or am I going to get something more?
4: Well, the big debate on body cameras is that field of view, and I can tell you that the systems that we're evaluating are designed to give the same view and perspective that that officer sees. So that's
3: not good enough. You see, well, because that's the same thing that they came with last time. I want to know, how is it? Is it possible to use the ones that have a wider angle view? What I've seen from the previous um, testing in the footage is that if the when they say that it's only what the officer sees, it's only what's directly in front of him, so if the altercation Or if the issue is not occurring directly in front of him, if it's off to the right or off to the left, there is no view of that. And many of these issues that have occurred with these officers and people cell phone videoing them, you find it that the suspect or the person is running off to the side and it's out of the view of the body camera. What I'm trying to find out is, I don't want to invest money in obsolete equipment. If I know that in two years there's going to be a better version, Or in three years, they're going to perfect the technology to give me a wider angle view. So if if we're talking about just what's in front of the officer, that does not help.
4: I can tell you that the body cameras are designed to give what the officer sees and his view. Um, But as far as cameras becoming obsolete, the contracts that we're looking at, the way the contracts are negotiated, is the camera and hardware is turned over every two and a half to three years. So we're never going to be in a situation where our cameras are not considered state of the art, where they become obsolete. As far as whether or not the vendors progress to go to a wider view, the trend has been for vendors to come to a smaller view because their goal is to accurately reflect what the actual deputy or the officer sees. They're designed to be point of view cameras for the deputy themselves.
3: Is there a charge for upgrades?
4: I can't really talk about the actual contracts themselves because that would affect our negotiating leverage with the vendors, but I can tell you that everything we're looking at will have a built-in replacement um, built into our costing structure. So there'll be no additional capital outlay at year 2.5 or at year three for new hardware. That'll be included in our costing.
3: Um, okay, that's that's fine. I, I want to I know if you can put that in, in writing to us which two types of cameras, so I could look at those systems, um, specify what body camera infrastructure entails. And um, I would like to make sure that um, you put in writing about the on and off controls um, and about the 12 hours recording time. And also, I need to know um, for sure, and you can, say, you can come and see me individually, but I just need a, a, a sense of comfort that there is no charge for upgrades and replacements because I find that to be very difficult to believe, especially with technology. They love to charge you on that, so.
4: Well, we, we can definitely meet, and I'll, I'll go over in greater detail how some of the costing structure, but this wouldn't be the appropriate form for me to do it.
3: Correct, and that's uh, why I said you can meet
4: with me in person. And we'll also get your copy of our policy, which will also highlight <laughs> when cameras are utilized, on, off, etc. Okay, thank you.
0: Commissioner Holness and
8: Commissioner Bogan. Yes, Um, you've been testing them now since December, you said?
4: Approximately, yes.
8: Now, what I've seen so far is that the research has shown that when officers are wearing this camera, uh, the public reacts differently when they know there's a camera on, uh, in terms of their behavior and reaction to the officer and also does uh, the officer is Is that are you finding that in 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 your implementation so far?
4: Yeah, based on the information that we've seen, we're seeing that obviously a change of behavior from the public but also a change of behavior from the officer as well. Um, you know there's no way to forensically say you know which way it's stronger, but we've definitely seen a reduction um in complaints and better behavior really on both sides
8: so so this then would be an enhancement to our public safety, you believe.
4: I believe so. I believe that um, when there's less use of force in law enforcement um, that it's a safer interaction for both the public and for the law enforcement personnel themselves.
8: And, and from what I'm seeing, it's, uh, you know, it's not just the African-American community that is asking for this. I think it's the wider community. Is that what you're getting or, or, or is it, am I in, incorrect?
4: I mean, clearly, you know, it, it's our mission. We're looking to operate in the most transparent environment that we possibly can. I mean, clearly, because of what's gone on in the media, uh, the public has a clear curiosity as far as you know, how law enforcement works, how we do our job, and these interactions. But yeah, we're looking to operate as transparent as we can. And we've had nothing but uh, public support for body cameras, as well as support internally from our personnel.
8: Well, let me thank you. And, and, and I'd love for us to have a conversation uh, on the uh, unincorporated area, uh, Lieutenant. Uh, because I have some concerns, some real concerns about uh, how we are the numbers that we're supposed to have and not have, and and what the community's response to that is. Thank you,
7: um, Commissioner Bogan. Morning, how are you, sir? Um, I'm a big, big supporter of body cameras. Um, and uh, I, I, a couple questions that have not been asked that I want to ask you about. Can an officer under the product you're looking at, can he erase um, erase what has been taped? And if he can't erase, who can erase it?
4: Um, the, of, the deputy or the officer has no ability to erase any of the footage that's on the camera. Um, and actually, because we're subject to public records laws and retention standards, um, A scenario where we would erase footage really just isn't there. Um, Footage will eventually have an end of life cycle where footage would be uh, purged from the system based on a retention schedule. But for us to go in and proactively erase video, it would have to be um, at the direction of the sheriff or the undersheriff or our highest level of command.
7: How long would the end of life cycle be?
4: Uh, It depends on the incident itself. Um, For non-classified incidents, such as, a, a citizen interaction that no crime occurred or doesn't fall under any particular retention schedule, it be 90 days. Uh, but based on the classification of the incident, if it were to become a felony or a misdemeanor or um, involve certain other characteristics, there's a set statutory retention schedule. Yeah.
7: Now, currently, do um, most of the officers or any of them have cameras on the cars? Uh,
4: we currently have in-car video only for our DUI unit. For the regional deputies that work will, DUI will, enforcement. Will
7: those cameras stay, or will, once you, if you had body cameras, or would those cameras go? Uh,
4: regional DUI enforcement will remain in-car video. They'll also use body cameras. Um, because of uh, the expertise of DUI investigation, it's been determined that a stationary camera in the vehicle is important for road size as opposed to a camera on the body that can move. Um, So they will remain with their current infrastructure and get body cameras in addition to offer additional views.
7: Do you know the difference in cost between a stationary uh, camera on the car versus a body camera?
4: Um, The pricing structure is very different. The in-car video systems that we purchase are approximately $5,000 per camera, uh, which is a significantly higher cost than a body camera, uh, body-mounted system.
7: Okay. And you said that the cameras are turned over every two years. Um, what in, does that mean, and uh, what does that mean?
4: With the vendors we're looking at in evaluating contracts that they've entered with other agencies, uh, we've seen anywhere from two-and-a-half to three-year hardware turnover, where the agency pays an initial capital cost when they get their hardware. They pay a reoccurring cost annually, and then at the two-and-a-half to three-year mark at no additional cost, all of the hardware is swapped out Um, because as part of the contract, they always have the most current operating and hardware system that the vendor offers. Is it a
7: hardware change or a software change?
4: It's both. Uh, The hardware changes every couple of years, and as part of this reoccurring cost, it's software updates. I mean, even during our initial testing uh, where we've made requests to the vendors for a certain functionality that isn't there, they've pushed updates already. Um, So the software, like any other software product, is continuously changing, but we're looking to venture into an agreement where once costs are outlaid, we know exactly our costs every year going forward so we can budget appropriately.
7: And, and last question, um, you're saying once that camera is turned on while the officer is driving the vehicle, and then once it's turned on, that will not be able to, the officer cannot shut it off, um, th- that camera cannot be shut off?
4: Well, he has the ability to power the camera down. However, we have policy in place that says that that can not occur, and if it does, uh, it will notify supervisors when the cameras are docked that a camera was improperly turned off.
7: Is, is that camera powered by battery? Yes. Um, and so, if a battery is taken out, then obviously it's not going to work.
4: Uh, the batteries are not removable from the cameras themselves, and the okay. cameras are tamper resistant.
7: Okay. Um, I, you know what? I, I've had great experience, except you know, you know that one experience I've had as a lawyer, where um, somebody had a GoPro and uh, they were stopped and the officer didn't realize that he was being taped and all of a sudden that GoPro mysteriously you know got erased and um, and so uh, that was a long time ago with some experience I had so I'm really you know curious of how, make sure that it can't be erased and that it can't be shut off.
4: Well I can tell you that that's where the um, body camera room concept came from um, because initially when body cameras started to roll out in law enforcement, the docking stations were literally, say, put in the back of a briefing room or, or put in a sergeant's office. And the question came up, well, if the deputy goes out on the road and he captures evidence on that camera, how would we safeguard that camera until the footage is uploaded, just the same, way, the same way we'd have to safeguard evidence of a crime if an officer sees narcotics or a weapon or something like that. So the body camera rooms that we're building are basically a secure room that will have door card access, so we'll have an audit trail of when a deputy entered or exited the room, as well as video surveillance. So, if a deputy, you know, an incident occurred where, you know, a deputy wanted to potentially erase the footage, first he can't. But if he wanted to say, well, I docked the camera and it disappeared, um, you know, we are treating the cameras themselves as evidence. And that's the reason of why we're building these body camera rooms. I mean, I have to be realistic that, yeah, it is electronic technology. And just like a cell phone or anything else, errors can occur, failures can occur. But I can tell you that we're only um, evaluating what we consider the best in the industry right now with longstanding track records of reliability. Um, and I'm pretty confident that the audit trails and the security protocols that we're building in place uh, will instill nothing but confidence in the public and our body camera program. Sure,
0: Great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Wexler, and then Commissioner Ryan. I guess
6: when, you, when you folks did your due diligence... And, and maybe we are the biggest in the country to embark on this. I don't know the answer. Are, are there other comparable size entities that you researched and how they've done it and how they're storing information?
4: Yes. Um, prior to, I'd say, last year, one of the largest successful body camera rollouts was Oakland, California with 800 cameras. Uh, while we were moving forward, we were one of the largest. Um, But I can tell you that uh, Los Angeles Police Department just signed a very large agreement uh, with one of the vendors that we are evaluating, uh, Columbus, Ohio. There's been many larger agencies than us. Uh, We're not looking to recreate the wheel by any means. Uh, We're basically looking to uh, learn from other agencies on what they did and really perfect it. Um, and put a system in place we didn't create and write our policy and draft our policy mm-hmm. you know out of the air we collected policies from all around the country right. you know evaluated talked to other agencies about their successes and their pitfalls and we built what we feel is the best policy that we put in place
6: my my i mean it's hard to wrap your head around two things for me the storing of all of this information that whole infrastructure and when i met with lieutenant colonel i asked about i think i asked about cloud mm-hmm. computing
4: mm-hmm.
6: are you consider how, how i mean
4: well have i can you tell gotten you-
6: that far along in this
4: I can tell you that one of the vendors that we're evaluating uh, is primarily a cloud-based solution. One of the vendors we're evaluating is primarily a hosted solution. Okay. Um, So so, that's two different worlds. Right. Without telling you at this point or putting out for public consumption, we're we're not leaning necessarily one way or the other. I will tell you this, though, that when this conversation started a year ago, pricing structures for cloud-based solutions were based on actual storage numbers. Um, An agency had to commit to a contract to store X amount of data. Uh, What we're looking at right now for cloud storage are all unlimited-based programs. Uh, With the changes of cameras going forward, um, I could tell you that right now I might need, for argument's sake, 100 terabytes of storage. But the vendor next in the next change of the camera can go from an 8-megapixel system to say a 16-megapixel system. My storage just doubled. And now I would potentially face the pitfall of my storage cost doubling. All of the agreements we're looking at are unlimited high-definition storage for the life of the contract. So we know that we'll be able to budget per deputy per year per camera. And as technology changes and our storage needs change, um, that will be accounted for. Because a, a mere policy change for us could significantly change our data requirements. For a deputy that responds to a perimeter, say on a burglary, he, our deputies are required to keep their cameras on the whole time. Well, he could sit there for three hours and record nothing but, say, the back of a building, but that could be the place that the suspect comes running out of. So we need that camera to be on. You know, a, a policy change, some agencies don't record in that instance, but you would take the volume of data that we're recording and, and minimize it. Right, so, but what
6: you're hearing from my colleagues is, is a, a, and your answer is, each camera will be on for 12 hours at a time.
4: Yes, and that's been one of the biggest pitfalls for some of the vendors who were initially competing for our contract is their ability to support a 12-hour shift.
6: Because that's a lot of information yes. to be stored if, somewhere.
4: If we were to turn off pre-record um, to the point I was speaking to the vice mayor about, then almost every body camera company out there can, can come in it. and support the Broward right. Sheriff's Office. But when we mandated the 12 hours of pre-record, right. that changed the game for everybody. Right.
6: And my last question is... And it's it's kind of personal. If camera is on all the time, isn't an officer entitled to any not on shift time, like for personal needs and eating?
4: Well, within our policy, there are times when the camera can be turned off. So, um, the our policy okay. is designed for when the deputy is in contact with the public. Did
6: um, did I say that nicely?
11: Say
6: I didn't say it. I said personal needs. That's right.
11: Very tactful.
6: Very tactful. I didn't need to yeah, be, the, you know. The deputy
4: has the ability, if he's within the station um, and he's going to take a personal break, that he has the ability to go ahead and turn that camera off. Okay. Cause um, see,
6: that's where, but, but, <laughs> but colleagues, you, we've all been asking these kinds of questions about the ability of the officer to turn the camera off. <laughs> so during a personal time, mm-hmm. they have the ability to disengage that camera.
4: Yes but we also have built in in our policy and audit function
6: what would be stopping them if they didn't want something recorded
4: because of the audit trail we know when that camera is turned off as a supervisor uh, when you're overseeing uh, the video that's collected by your shift and by your officers we would know when a camera was turned off for a deputy to turn his camera off he needs supervisory approval per our contract okay Uh, we're also including personnel within our professional standards division which will handle audit of the cameras themselves uh, to ensure policy is great but we need to make sure that the deputies are abiding so by the policy. So you're
6: going to need quite a bit more personnel yes. too to oversee. This is a, the, the, okay, I mean I look forward to, you know, thank you and, for all your time and, and the and personnel
4: knowledge. costs are part of this breakdown per deputy per year. Right,
6: but I think that the next time we meet with the sheriff in May on this discussion that we as a board, um, I think that Commissioner Furr asked the best question up here today mm-hmm. and and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it we've been getting the snapshot what we really want is the whole video
4: and 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 we probably have 75 percent of that already mapped out okay. the last part really can't be locked down until we finalize okay. with well the
6: hopefully in may we can see the whole video yes Liter- not not literally but you know figuratively. Yeah, yeah, unedited, unedited.
11: <laughs> Commissioner Ryan You had a discussion um, with regard to uh, when the camera's turned off, when it's on, um, when the officer ends his or her shift, where does the camera go? And it kind of lends to, I I guess, a discussion of the chain of custody of this evidence. So you already have protocol for chain of custody with regard to your fixed base cameras that are on your uh, vehicles for the regional dui task force i'd like to see you know from you uh, kind of a plan of action about these infrastructure costs where you're able to kind of integrate what you're doing now with regard to um, storage of video uh, retrieval and that i think frequently are public records requests and and training and how you're going to be able to overlap what you're doing now with the fixed base cameras, uh, with the new technology and, and you know the implementation of the body cameras, I'm trying to, to see how we might be able to keep the infrastructure cost as reasonable as possible. So I'm just asking that when you come forward, and this looks like it's part of phase two, that you would be able to talk about what efficiencies and maybe cost savings you have by uh, integrating what you can with your existing video techniques and what you're you're coming forward with on the body camera. I can tell
4: you some of that now, um, some of the efficiencies that we have created. Um, Basically, we formed a digital evidence unit itself, and the digital evidence unit, the perspective is it doesn't matter to us if video is collected from a camera that a deputy is wearing on his chest a camera that's mounted to the car and say a DUI unit, or even in an interview room uh, within investigations, we're still capturing video. And all of that video, in addition CCTVs, cameras that are out in the community that are recording uh, poll cameras or fixed cameras, all of that video is gonna come in basically to one central repository, one evidence management system. The same personnel will handle public records requests, redaction requests, distribution requests. Um, A large portion of it is still the request by the state attorney's office um to provide video for court and for depositions so we are looking at economies of scale Uh, we've already transferred some of our internal personnel who were just handling say dui video to the digital evidence unit where we're cross-training our personnel uh to handle all the video needs of the agency to create some efficiencies thank you commissioner lamarca
2: I don't have any questions on body cameras. <laughs> but I do have, I do, the, the item has quite a few other things things in it. So uh, if I might ask uh, Lieutenant Cardinal Harrington. The, there's a couple of things in here with regard to vehicles. And I know we talked about this before, so I just want to get some information. Uh, the $2 million uh, allocations for 69 vehicles total 25 uh, unmarked, 11 marked in the pursuit category, 25 non pursuit related vehicles, and then eight. Uh, DoD vehicles, right? Correct. Um, the tell me if you would. The, so the 11 and 25 uh, pursuit vehicles. That's basically uh, for road deputies and, and any, any uh, DLE functions, right?
12: That would be a yes.
2: Okay. And now the the other, if I could, the 25 uh, non-pursuit related vehicles. What is, what is that?
12: Well, we, we have a, a, a host of folks that uh, drive vehicles that are, that are not pursuit-related, the folks in civil. Um,
2: are these any of the community outreach type positions?
12: I don't believe those are any of the community outreach vehicles. Okay.
2: Um, wh- where does this get you for your overall uh, vehicle replacement? Because I know you had a long-term capital deal, uh, you know, plan to, to go forward. And so where does that 69 get you in the total? Is that like a five-year... I'm sure glad I brought this guy. <laughs>
4: um, I could tell you that the $2 million is a small drop uh, compared to what we need on the regional side of the house for our vehicles. Um, at one point when this started, we were at about 67% of our fleet past its life cycle. Uh, we've significantly reduced those numbers. Uh, we're down to about the high 40s now. Um, so these vehicles that are being replaced, um, while it will make our situation better, Um, It is not.
2: So help me out though. I'm I'm a a little bit of a long range thinker and I'm thinking is this a five year plan and this is one year of it or a three year
4: plan? Um, If we continue to dedicate resources at this rate, um, then within the next five years, uh, I think we'll be in a much stronger position than when we were a couple of years ago.
2: Okay. And are these, for example, the pursuit vehicles, are are these mostly say the Crown Victorias leaving the fleet?
4: Uh, We don't use Crown Victorias anymore, uh, but right now, we're utilizing a mix of Ford Explorer pursuit-rated vehicles, uh, Chrysler Charger pursuit-rated vehicles for but, patrol. But
2: you're saying you don't, you don't, you don't have any. You don't use them anymore. You, but they don't certain, manufacture the Crown Victoria no anymore. No, I understand that. But are you, this is this is rolling them out of the fleet. Yes, okay. yes, sir. Okay. We
4: we have a few left. Um, okay. I think the last are 2012s, but the majority okay. of them are out of our fleet.
2: Like they in, stopped making them in 2011, so that's just all So I guess they'll be repainted and serve, serve our community another way. Um, with regard to the detention, is that, those are all vans, probably? Yes. Okay, um, you, and I don't know what, which of the two of you can answer the other, other one. The question I had uh, also is the the apparatus, uh, the hazmat fire engine, is that for regional? Yes. Okay, uh, one other question while we're on, and I, I read everything here and it's, it's uh, the most part, self-explanatory. Just had those questions uh, with regard to being that you're both here. I know it's not quite on the on the item, but it's relevant. It's um, some questions as to do we know where we are with our continued process of uh, Lauderdale Lakes obligations? Is that something you might know?
0: They are current.
2: Okay, that's all I want to know. Thank you.
0: Um, just a couple questions, if it's okay. Um, so the first, just so I can understand the recording, I know this has been discussed a lot. Uh, but it's my understanding, the way that you explained it, the, the uh, body camera re- will record for 12 straight hours. And when the 12 hours hits, then it re- records over itself. So the initial 12 hours will be lost unless sometime in there, the, there was an incident where the deputy pushed the body camera button. And it will record the two minutes beforehand, the incident, and then the two minutes after. And that's what's saved. Is that right? Correct. And that's mostly because of a cost issue. Is that right? Because if you the most it's my understanding, the most of the cost that comes into body cameras is it's not the camera or the hardware, it's basically the upkeep of it. And so if you saved every twelve hours, that would increase the cost significant. Is that correct?
4: The cost and the management um, you know we anticipate 1.2 million videos per year based on our existing personnel and the policy we put in place. Um, if we were to capture and retain all 12 hours of a shift, um, yeah the volume of storage that we need would just be fiscally impossible for us to accomplish.
0: I understand now the only and that makes sense. The question I have is so let's say for example, uh, 12 hours goes by. The 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 deputy didn't push the incident that doesn't have an incident but then three days later uh resident goes and and um alleges that the deputy did something uh, bad the that initial 12 hours just won't be there
4: um it depends how the deputy came in contact with that member of the public um so if the deputy simply was driving down the road got flagged down by somebody didn't get a call for service wasn't a dispatch call by policy when he makes contact with that member of the public he has an obligation to activate the camera and create an incident so that incident would be retained for ninety days so if the complaint came in three days later that the officer did something inappropriate then we would be able to go back and recall that particular incident but if three days later a de- uh, somebody from the community called in and said you know deputy you know X did the following inappropriate action and he had never checked out on a call, never been on a service, and that video would be gone.
0: So just, um, but for clarification purposes, and that, that's where my, my slight concern is with this. Um, if there will be procedures in place, though, that if a, de- that basically, and no matter what, any type of potential incident that the deputy comes up to, they have to push the button. Is that right? Yes. And if they don't, then they're reprimanded.
4: Yes. Well, they'd be subject to progressive discipline by policy, but yes, there would be discipline for not abiding by the policy.
0: Oh, okay. And then I have a a question for Ms. Ms. Coffee, if it's okay. And this is where I get a little little confused. Later on, it appears to me that, you know, and I'm a big supporter of body cameras. I want this to work out. Um, But I think at the end of the day, it's how is it going to be paid for? And that's really what the big fight is going to be. And everybody understands here what the options are. And I like the fact that the the sheriff's office is going to take the diligent step to um, attempting to, I guess, renegotiate its contracts with uh, its cities uh, to also uh, participate financially in this, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, Ms. Coffey, if that didn't work out and the county commission then decided it was going to fund body cameras for the sheriff's office, are we then required to fund body cameras for any municipality that does not utilize the sheriff's office but has its own police force
9: no you would not
0: we wouldn't no okay so it wouldn't I'm
9: I'm, I'm sorry I just want to be sure that I understand your question because it had a um, an element that I didn't quite understand when you asked yeah if you you were saying that if the county chose to fund BSO only for unincorporated?
0: Not just for unincorporated. If, uh, but every the,
9: for every city?
0: For every city know, that utilizes BSO.
9: You know, that, is, contract cities. that is a question that requires actually a factual analysis because there's case law that um, indicates that, hmm. um, that certain services that are provided, particularly criminal law enforcement, can be a benefit to the entire region even though provided only in one locale. So it would be very fact-specific. I can't answer your question unless I know where BSO is providing services and where it is not.
0: And just, that's a question to be answered a little bit later on, I guess, as this, as we- It can
9: we be. If you're it. concerned about dual taxation, mm-hmm. the issue is whether cities are, are supporting the regional effort or whether the regional effort is supporting cities, and there's a, there's a big distinction between those. Regionally, you legally may, but you're not required to support cities in their law enforcement efforts. I understand. It's a, E911 is a great example, as Commissioner Wexler said. I understand. You
3: may, but you don't have to.
0: Thank you, Ms. Coffey, and thank you, um, uh, Commissioner, Vice Mayor Sharif.
3: Okay, I know we've beat body cameras to death, so I'm not going to say anything but this: if in if the 12-hour period passes, and the officer has not pressed the button, and in some of the, in, in many of the situations, uh, allegations do occur after the 12-hour period. Um, some of them occur. Um, in the form of police, um, complaints of police brutality after the arrest or in the car. Um, uh, Some of them um, occur in the form of um, people saying that they were approached by officers in suggestive or sexually suggestive ways or approached in inappropriate ways. And you're not recording, and that person does not get their opportunity to come within that 12 hour period, my concern is that that body camera to me is pretty useless um, because it's not doing it's, it's not doing what it's designed to do which is to protect the officer and to protect the general public and so um, for for that reason I really think that um, this item really needs more um, thorough backup and we need to have those individual meetings and um, I, I really think it needs to be deferred for um to be cooked a little bit longer. And so um I'm I'm wanting to make a motion to defer the item for uh, further information for two um, agenda cycles so that you can get me the information I need.
0: Um before we do we have I think that cuts off debate and we still have Commissioner Bogan still would like to speak to Oh do you, can, I'm
3: sorry. Can we before I'll you wait. make that motion I'll is, wait.
7: That'd be great. Commissioner Bogan yeah, I'm sorry. Commissioner Holman, and I, I heard you, and we both. Just, we're trying, I want to straighten out something. No button is pushed during a 12-hour period. On the 12-hour and one minute, it's erased. It's gone.
4: No, it, the the camera has a storage capacity much greater than 12 hours. It only has a battery life of 12 okay, hours. Is
7: it 90 days that thing will be saved?
4: 90 days for captured video that's uploaded to our system.
7: Okay, let me let me stop using captured. technical words. I, I'm just going to do the serial. Officer starts at nine in the morning. He works twelve-hour shift. Let's just say he's twelve hours, nine to nine, right? Yes. He does not push the button. Correct. Nothing is, is uh, specifically recorded. The whole day is recorded, but nothing is categorized. Correct. Okay. Um, two days later, somebody complains about an interaction with that officer. It's gone,
4: correct? No, no, not necessarily. The the lim- the limitation of the camera going? is the battery life. So we're only to capture we're only able to capture twelve hours of pre-record. But the hard drive on the camera itself might hold three or four days' worth of video. But when the deputy goes days. back on shift and he goes back out, when he captures video, that's taking up segments. Um, but captured video is held for 90 days. I under- captured. Uh, Vice Mayor, I understand your concern. Captured
7: when you push the button. Captured yeah, only- well, video is pushing the button.
4: Captured videos will create an event that creates the ability for us to search a database and pull back an event.
7: And, and to capture a video, you have to push a button, correct?
4: To categorize it and make it an event, but- To
7: capture a video and categorize it, that the last 90 days, you have to push a button?
4: Once, the yes, you have to create an event. That event will be held 90 days, no matter what. Okay, but so so let, let me just go
7: back to the simple scenario. Officer starts at nine in the morning, works till nine at night, has interactions with the public, does not push any button. Correct. OK? Five days later, a, a person, the, the public complains to BSO, "Can you get that video five days back?"
4: We have the ability to get that video as long as the hard drive hasn't filled up and been recorded back over. Just like a DVR that So that's let's say that,
7: that body cam, though, after 12 hours, some another officer has it, and then the next 12 hours, another officer is using it, and another officer is using it. Well, w-
4: it's only assigned to one officer. So the videos themselves have what's called metadata. So when I assign a body camera to an officer, okay. it puts elements in the video that forensically tells us this video was recorded by this particular camera assigned to this officer. So,
7: so if a button is not pushed, how long, if it starts, let's say the camera starts Monday morning at 9 AM. Button is not pushed for the whole week. How long will the Monday at 10 AM last? How long will it be on that hard drive?
4: Um, I can't tell you exactly until we finalize a vendor because about. they all have different capacities, right, but you're going to have several days worth of video on that camera. Several days? Yes, okay. but uh, un- understand my concern, I think this is where one of the issues comes in. A body camera is just a tool. I mean, it's not a complete solution. While,
7: of course, while it's
4: not going to show every angle, it's not going to record all incidents forever. It's a tool that's giving us the ability I love, to
7: record. I think it would be great for the public, believe me, I, I love the idea of body cameras. I just want to know how long, if no button is pushed, no additional memory is stored in the hard drive, mm-hmm. how long, and you're telling me, depending on the device and the vendor use, it could be several days.
4: And the resolution. Um, right. you know, we have the ability to record in all different resolutions, and that's how much space it takes up on a hard drive. But all of that is a balance between the battery life and the storage space. And I can tell you that our primary goal of the program is to accomplish 12 hours of recording with a pre-record with the best quality of video that we can get. Um, and somewhere so in between there's going to be a balance. Thank you.
8: So, uh, let, let me ask the question probably a little different. You mentioned taking it to the docking station and it being uploaded. How long is it held once you load it to the cloud or to your system?
4: Um, at a minimum an incident, our retention is gonna be 90 days.
8: Only if there's an incident? The, the whole 12 hours not loaded, uploaded?
4: Right, the only part that when we dock the camera, it only extracts classified incidents from the camera. So any incident that we will have pushed a button and categorized will be uploaded to our storage solution, and it'll be retained at a minimum for 90 days for a non-classified event and further for a classified event. And if it's something that is referenced to a complaint or um, to follow out the scenario, the deputy goes out, makes contact with a member of the public, it's held for 90 days. Two weeks later, that member of the public comes in and makes a complaint. That video at that point is retained for investigation and will not be purged until the conclusion of investigation.
8: Is, is there a um, some protocol as to a requirement for the deputy to push that incident button, what, what are the conditions that you've established for them to do so?
4: Um, I could tell you generally without having the policy in front of me, um, all interactions with the public basically. So When a deputy is in contact with the public, whether it's something that he initiates on his own, or he responds to a call for service, or he's transporting a prisoner, whatever it might be, when he's in contact and taking law enforcement action, um, his camera is deemed to be on and to be capturing an incident.
0: Great. Well, okay. Now we have a. Um, we now have we've have a, had a motion to defer with a the second. Uh, there's no debate on a motion to defer. All in favor?
3: No. That was deferring the whole item.
0: Okay. Um, all in favor uh, of the motion to defer, signify by saying "aye." Aye. All opposed? No. The, you see the motion fails we're now on the main item is there a motion to move the item, move the item. Yes. Is, is there a second? second all in favor signify by saying aye no. aye all opposed no. no show the item passes seven to two we're now moving on to item number 14.
6: Um, mayor but that yes. should not stop bso from scheduling scheduling meetings individually with each commissioner and because this was i mean this was almost a workshop
0: it was. Really? It was.
6: To, to go in, And, and yeah. there's still a million questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very good point. And I, I would. They're yes. Absolutely. This is obviously a very important issue to us and to BSO. We want to get it right. So please uh, schedule meetings with us and let's work on it all together.
12: Yes, so- this is a, 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 a huge project for, for BSO. And it's a, it's a huge project for Sheriff Israel. And uh, everywhere he goes in, in this county, the number one thing that comes up is the importance of body cameras. Um, I have meetings with uh, several of you uh, next week, and this will certainly be on the agenda, I'm sure.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. We are a deliberative body today. Item number 14 is has been pulled by Commissioner LaMarca, and that's a resolution directing the county administrator to public notice of hearing with regard to the drawing and award of new taxi
2: cab and luxury sedan certificates. Uh, Commissioner LaMarca. Thank you. It's, it's my opinion that Commissioner Wexler just wanted to make sure that she had a meeting with Colonel Harrington,
6: actually, we I'm just. Met, uh, that's my Colonel premise. Harrington and I met at our favorite Starbucks last week. Okay, and it's on the visitors log. For uh, the record,
2: Mayor, I pulled this. I pulled this item. I, I know. I know that we have not had the conversation yet, but if you look at what is, what was, given to us, a date of January eighth, from Mr. Veal who is here, I believe. Uh, with regard to an, an analysis of comparison of taxicab ratios, vehicle, uh, luxury sedan vehicles, that type of thing. Um, if we look where we are in comparison to our, to our neighbors in the north and south, they differ greatly. But the average from those cities, that, cities and counties that uh, Mr. Villapondo pulled aside was one for every 1,132 uh, residents, uh, population so that would that would bring us from nine hundred and two up to one thousand five hundred and ninety three so almost sixteen hundred uh, licenses my concern obviously we're going to be talking about this more in the near future. My concern is that not only are we woefully under under that number woefully under that number, but if you look at our population of one point eight million people. There's as many as fifteen million visitors a year here uh, that number can be doubled or tripled when uh, during during season when it swells um, so that that's a bigger concern for me there uh, as we have the conversation moving forward I'm not necessarily going to try to stop this, but I do want to make sure that we do have that that workshop or that conversation with Mr. Vilpondo to increase the number of licenses that would be available, and I want to wholeheartedly scrap the lottery, because it's just what it says, it's a lottery. I don't know anybody who can who can retire on the lottery, you know, by playing playing the numbers regularly in the lottery. And I don't think anybody should be able to, should have to go through that to go into business here. So uh, with that, I'm going to move the item, unless anybody has any other questions on it. But I definitely want to make sure that we have that conversation very soon, because this is a small number, I think 15 or so licenses.
1: Second.
11: All right, f- motion and second on the item, any further discussion? All in favor, indicate by saying aye. Aye. Sure, that motion passes unanimously. We're on to item 19. Uh, item 19 is a motion to direct the county attorney to draft an ordinance amending chapter 9 with reference to contractors creating new definitions for contractor categories. Item is pulled by Commissioner Lamarco. You're recognized. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Ms. Henry, can I, uh, we have Mr. Vilpondo up just for
2: a moment?
10: Mr. Vilpondo.
2: I think the uh, the idea that we're doing doing this is is uh, is welcomed. Uh, I want to read just if I could the goal. Goal one: Build into every process and service effective service effective checks and balances that do not cause inefficiency, but rather ensure consistency, continuity, and quality. Regular updates to existing licensing and enforcement ordinances increases efficiency in license application review and improves both customer satisfaction and consistency in procedures. Um, I have probably, don't do it anymore, but probably for about 25 years uh, worked with really every permitting agency in this and most of the counties in the state. And always because of the the type of business being fuel systems, have worked with uh, our staff here at Broward County and found them to always be very good. Uh, Matter of fact, Alfred Reed is still in in our pollution prevention. Division and I've worked with him for better than twenty years and and we do a great job, but I, I can't I pulled this because I want to highlight that efficiencies need to continue to be increased. If you look at one of the major issues of bringing people to Broward County in the area of the greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance uh, economic development, it is to increase efficiencies and make better the regulatory process and i and I, I just want to make sure that as we, as we do this we're always looking for ways. Uh, We have great customer service, but we have 31 cities in Broward County, and this is just us. I would strongly recommend a lot of the other cities look at some some of the programs uh, like the Platinum Permitting Program uh, at uh, the Alliance. Uh, Pompano Beach, for example, has a completely digital process where you uh, could go in there and get a set of plans approved without ever having a piece of paper in your hands. so Mr. Pond, if I could are we are we looking to do on to that end, are we looking to do anything more on the digital side of things where we can transmit and do multiple uh, multiple uh, plan reviews, for example, if it 's got to be in water if it 's got to be in well field it 's got to be in pollutant storage and you know all these different things it, rather than having to go to step one, step two, step three, and you know cut some of the time out of that process
5: yeah, yes, sir, absolutely. Um, this year we 're going to add eight more applications to the e-permitting, we call it, which is the fully electronic permitting process. We have about five or six that are currently fully electronic. Um, We do building plans electronically but we're going to turn that into an e-permit and we just procured a contract for Government Center West to have an automatic uh, touch screen queuing system which people can use and get a text message and set up appointments in advance so I don't have to sit there and wait in line. So we're looking at automating and trying to make it as easy as possible for the customer. We have a five-year program to do so, and we're about two years into that.
2: Excellent. Well, I appreciate that. I wanted to highlight this, and thank, and thank you for the hard work on it. And with that, I'd like to support it and move forward. Second. Oh, wait, not, not yet.
11: We have uh, Commissioner Ryan. just has something to say. Mr. Valpano, if you can come back to the podium. Yes, sir commissioner Lamarca makes reference to um, how can we streamline the contracting process um, did we have some uh, legislation at, at the state level with regard to streamlining contracting and was that was that mandatory or was that something that was available to be uh, adopted at the uh, local and regional level
5: I'm not sure which uh, legislation that you might be referring to I know that Chapter uh, 49, I believe, is the contractor statutes. And we honor all of the state licensed contractors. And then these are um, Broward County Chapter 9 uh, locally county-only licensed contractors, which we have about 10,000 of. So they're a little bit separate. The state, we do reciprocate the state here. The state doesn't necessarily reciprocate the Broward County contractors. And this is sort of like an entry point for uh, smaller contractors to get into the business. We take unlicensed individuals and give them training and, and bring them into licensure and usually this is a springboard for them to, to achieve state licensure and usually they stay with us for a number of years and then they transition onto a statewide license uh, so,
10: commissioner ryan yes. if i might um, i the legislation that you i believe you're referring to um, for some time we had trouble with electronic signature for um, engineers when they sign the documents if you recall we have been uh, trying to get the uh, legislature to give us the ability to accept electronic signatures for there's a term that I cannot remember but it allows for those documents to be officially signed off on electronically versus having a hand signature
11: um, signature stamp well as you know as commissioner lamarca our resident contractor indicated uh electronic uh, applications, permit applications, I mean, is is really the way to go in the future. Mm-hmm. And to have somebody have to get a courier or drive down themselves to governmental center to submit plans, uh, it's the old way. Um, when I speak with, with contractors, that's part of what their concerns are, is that they want to file electronically. And also, the delays when the documents are fully submitted and the permit application takes, I don't know, Two weeks three weeks to go through plan review Uh, so that's is that a staffing issue more than anything else the time it takes to have have uh, permit applications analyzed and and signed off on or or sent back with comments to make you know the necessary revisions
5: well on the um, electronic signature front we did Uh, petitioned the Board of Professional Engineers successfully to amend those rules and uh, we went and spoke before them a couple of times and they ultimately made it so that statewide engineers could do electronic signatures more easily and that actually facilitated a lot of this electronic submission that we're doing now. So we got clarity. We were trying to get the architects to do the same and the surveyors as well but so far it's just the engineers. Um, When we do have electronic submittals. Generally they can do that at night and on the weekend and that starts the clock right away. So that does sort of shorten the time because they're not having to come to our office and the the clock starts ticking. For a lot of these, there are noticing requirements. For example, we have you know five days to notice various state agencies these agencies have so many days to respond like division of historical resources or others like on stormwater approvals and such so sometimes those time frames are influenced by outside factors especially if it's like a coastal project we have to look at beaches and um, coastal systems and that sort of thing so those can be the delays other times it could be that you know we we generally in building have you know i i certainly get reports every day on what's been reviewed and i tend to get upset if it's more than 10 days for the review, we really shoot for a week. So we are trying to keep those um, you know, happening on a much quicker time frame. And certainly if somebody has a, a, a project that's of critical nature, then we would do a pre-app and meet with them and try to move them through the system. Currently, if everybody were to submit sort of in the normal historical pattern, things move through pretty quickly, but if for some reason there's a, there's a jump or a spike, then you might experience a delay simply because the throughput is is normalized. So it might be like when you go to Publix and maybe there's three lines open, and you know, maybe you need eight open, but you don't have eight cashiers. All
11: right, so back on the electronic filing, mm-hmm. um, what about the other disciplines, general contractors, electricians, plumbers, they can electronically file?
5: Yes, yeah, th- those documents do not generally need to be signed and sealed, but generally, if there's an engineer that prepared those documents for that contractor, then those would be signed and sealed. Right.
11: The second part of um, the the nature of these revisions to the chapter dealing with contractors speaks to enforcement options for unlicensed contracting, and that's you know um, an ever-present problem here in Broward County. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what is your proposal about? It looks like authorizing. Code enforcement boards to take action and i mean is there other some kind of other uh process for detection and enforcement of of the existing you know laws that we have with respect to unlicensed contracting
5: so what happens is as the course of um, through the course of conducting these hearings the cebs notice that they would like things to be maybe a little bit more streamlined or maybe an attorney makes an argument that they feel they don't have the authority to pursue with an unlicensed case so, they compiled a list of uh, recommendations for the county attorney's office on changes that they felt would make it more clear what their jurisdiction is and, and be able to make rulings that they feel that they should be able to make. And so, they compile their list and then we bring this forward. And we basically you know, work with them and with the industry to come forward with proposed code at the first reading. Thank you, Mr. Valpano. You're welcome.
0: With that said, do we have a motion to move the item? We'll move it, sir. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Show the item passes unanimously and also show both Commissioner, Vice Mayor Sheriff and myself voting uh, positively on item number 14. We're now moving on to item number 23, which was also pulled by Commissioner LaMarca. Uh, item number 23 is a motion to approve an agreement to Broward County and the Dwight Stevenson
2: Construction, Inc. Uh, Commissioner LaMarca. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, having, having some... Maybe some clarification first on this and then I have some, some questions, uh Ms. Henry. Who can, yes. who can answer? What the, the the purpose of this is to replace the windows in the main jail? Is that to go to impact windows uh for hardening and, and uh energy or is-
10: So uh, if I can have uh Mr. Hudson come to the podium or the project manager? Ms. Musara, okay.
15: Good morning, Ariadna Musara, Construction Management Division. Uh, yes, all of the above. Uh, the reason the windows are being replaced is because there is great damage right now, water infiltration in the, in the building, and that could definitely create uh, pose a security problem. So the new windows will be, number one, secure, obviously, but will respond to hurricane and all of the building code requirements.
2: Are, are the existing windows not impacted?
15: They should be, but I couldn't tell you for sure. They were really designed for security.
2: When were they, and when were they, they the original windows from? Yes, 90 they are. To ninety-two. Uh,
15: yes, from when the building was built.
2: Okay. Well, I don't. I mean, it, it, as far as from a residential or commercial grade, I don't think they had impact windows then, but I'm sure they were security windows. Yes. Um, so, you, so this is because of water intrusion. Mainly. Okay. How did just how did we go from? Four million, four million to six million, roughly, which is a 50% increase from the original uh, estimate. What was what changed in that period of time?
15: Uh, The change was basically we had more information as we started going into the project. When we first started negotiations with the consultants, we started getting into more detail, working with them with the specialty subconsultants that really had us had a much better understanding of what was going on, what was the situation and the product availability as well. Working with our, during the negotiations with Dwight, Dwight Stevenson, they actually did a lot of due diligence in researching and talking to manufacturers about what is possible out there, what is available uh, product-wise. Also, we have uh, increases in cost in labor and uh, uh, in materials as well. So all of that was taken into account. Uh, I just want to add, when we first advertised this project, Again, it was done on a general basis. It's very difficult to really know and understand what's going on with an existing building. Uh, over the last year, we reestimated the project. Even though it was advertised at the four million, we understood there was going to be a project increase in cost. We actually went through the budget process approval last year obtain the additional funding so the monies that you see here are within the approved project budget so we're not asking for additional funds
2: no i i, I understand that um but in my in my world you know in my, in my mind i don't know if i think the way my colleagues do here but uh if just because we found the money for it doesn't mean, I mean i'm just trying to find out how we got to that number okay i mean it's still so so you you, know, you answered it but i i you know from for my concerns are the, are that that difference and it sounds like we didn't uh, we didn't do a deep enough dive from an engineering standpoint to find out what the specifications or maybe there are additional uh, higher specification spec products out there, and the budget should have been six to start with.
15: And on, also, uh, I may add, the logistics of getting into that building. So it's not just a <clears the throat> structural uh, fix that we have to do in replacing the windows. But now we're talking about creating safe areas for the inmates that need well. to be re- relocated to. We have to create life safety egress. So we actually have to create a path of egress from the top, from the area where they're working. All of that needs to be isolated. In the event of an emergency, either the workers or the inmates, obviously, they cannot be compromised. So all of that, uh, we have built-in fi- uh, fixtures that at the time, honestly, we didn't realize how extensive that was. So, so to get to the windows, we have to remove all of the fixed fixtures. So there's a lot of incidentals. Say fixtures, Meaning beds and any other furniture that is within that cell.
2: To get to the windows? Yes, sir. Okay. I think that is all I have. I'm still self-concerned, but I understand that it's not, not an easy project to plan. Um, with regard to uh, what we've learned and best practices from what we went through at the main library because there were a lot of similar issues of finding what was underneath? Yes. Underneath the concrete, and whether that was uh, decaying steel or that type of thing.
15: The big difference with this contract is this is a CM at risk, and the fact that we're bringing our contractor right now to work hand in hand with a consultant, we're also doing what is destructive exploration. As we speak, they're going into the jail and breaking around the windows to really find out what is going on, what is the condition, of at least on a general sense of what is happening, so we can actually do the proper, correct detailing when the time comes to producing the drawings and then ultimately going out to bid.
2: Okay. So, so at this po- at this point, we are who, who is the consultant on this? I'm sorry.
15: Akai Consultants. Akai.
2: Okay. Okay. Architects. Yes. And it, it is uh, D. Stevenson.
15: CM at risk. Okay. General
6: managers. Correct.
2: Okay, excellent. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioner Wexler.
6: Yeah, I I guess my concern is is similar to um, Commissioner Lamarckers in that when this came before us to put out, it wasn't five years ago, it wasn't 10 years ago. Like we have some projects that have been really a long time. And that when your response is the cost of construction went up, the cost of labor went up, this came before us exactly 1 year ago. Correct. March 2015. Yes. We put it out on the street. It was months later that I mean, you know, we, we have the whole time frame of when the commission approved the um, ranked order which was just this past summer August of 2015 mm-hmm. and then you went into negotiations with with D Stevenson the first ranked company. Okay. So I don't buy the increase in labor. I don't. It's just too short of a window to, to have that factor into a two million dollar increase mm-hmm. in the cost. What I do um, um, believe is is that there was a flaw in the department in the understanding of the scope of work and the um, extent of the scope that needs to be done. Um, I don't know enough about the windows to say that maybe even the right, wrong windows were spec'd out. But I believe that there was a significant um, error within the division as far as this cost was concerned. Because from $4 million to $6 million before you even begin is significant and we should be concerned. And the only saving grace that I see is that it is a CM at risk contract. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that D. Stevenson, by digging around in the, around the windows and recognizing that gee, there may be more work that needs to be done, because I hope they don't come back to this commission um, six months from now, a year from now, saying we need another two million dollars. That process has
15: started, uh, Commissioner. As I said, with the consultants, and yes, partly correct. We did not understand truly. Um, The information within a building, it's an existing building and it really is guesswork. This is not an office building where we can say, well, it's $150 a square foot and we can allocate this and that. So number one is the type of facility. Number two was really the logistics, just in security alone in trying to get in and out working with our bso uh, consultants really they have been working with us from day one during the neg- negotiations in understanding the logistics that's where a lot of the money has been put into we have put accounts and allowances for that reason because we really
6: you know we didn't understand you're quite correct but you're the full it's stow. an existing building it's a jail yes. what is there to understand about security of course it is an issue it yes. always is an issue. It's it, You can't treat it like an existing office building. No, absolutely and not. And clearly, clearly, um, the library and the disaster there, I don't know that that taught anybody anything. I was hoping it did um, because I've lived through basically yes. that whole mm-hmm. nightmare. Yes. I hope we don't have nightmare number two here with the jail. It is an existing building. It's an older building. Do we? It was, it, the construction is, question mark. Correct. Um, until they get into the project, they really, really don't know what's behind those walls and what, and, and if there's real rot Correct. back there, and if the the steel or whatever, mm-hmm. like they found in the library, and then they come and knocking. So that's my concern: is that we haven't done our due diligence more aggressively on the front end. Having said that, it is what it is. Are you getting, are we able to get any money from FEMA? On this, no. On this, no, nothing, this is right? No, this is a capital project. Okay, yeah, yes. no, I saw that it's capital, but yeah. a lot of our window replacement mm-hmm. was after Wilma, and we shore up many, many, many facilities and got money back. Correct, we, we can try and we'll look uh but at this point that's not right uh, well i don't know if it's even possible yeah but let's let's kind of you know sure keep it as a thought because money from anywhere is is good and certainly not just for security but for future um, events um, weather events it it makes the building more secure which is a good Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. so you know with that we we have no choice here today but i'm here long enough to have had i've had this video before and and it, it 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 just needs to be more aggressive by you and Mr. Hutka on the front end giving numbers to this board of county commissioners understood thank you and thank I'll, you. I'll, i if there aren't any other we, questions i will move it
0: we have a commissioner holness on the queue
6: and
8: clearly, clearly clearly the assessment at the onset wasn't accurate but let me commend you for owning it <laughs> and accepting you. that you didn't realize all the things that were Necessary. Uh, I think it's it's a responsible thing to do, and again, I commend you uh, for doing that. Thank you. Um, Ms. All, Henry.
10: All I wanted to do was to indicate that um, the response that we received from staff was quite long and lengthy. And in an effort to try to get to the essence of the issue, uh, we took a lot of it out. And um, I want, again, I mean, the the department tried to be as disclosive as they could, but it got really long. So we said, so in the essence of, so um, I just want to also say that um, they tried to tell it all. And um, I made the decision to try to shrink it to get to the essence of what we needed to talk about today. So, funny.
8: Okay.
0: The item's been moved and seconded. All in favor signify by saying aye. All opposed, show the item passes unanimously. We're now moving on to item 26, which was pulled uh, by me. Um, I have a few questions for county staff on this matter. This is a motion to award a fixed contract to low bidder Workspace Technology Inc. For high density filing systems, road resort systems, and shelving at the New Broward County Courthouse in the amount of $829,975. Um, a, uh, as, you know, you're, as you're probably aware, a constituent of mine from Plantation uh, has brought this, item, this issue to my attention probably about seven or eight months ago. And I know that county staff has been corresponding back and forth with him on this matter. And he has a few concerns and I would hope that they could be addressed. The first is, uh, he informed me that there's currently half a million dollars of existing shelving in the courthouse that we currently have. And when he asked county staff what was going to be utilized with that shelving, the response was that it was going to go into storage. And so my question is, why are we spending uh, $800,000 on new shelving when we have other shelving in the old courthouse that we can just move on over? And also, he also indicated to me that there is approximately $50,000 of old shelving already in storage that's been there for about five years.
1: Okay. Good morning. It's still morning now. Mr. Hammond. It is. (laughs) Um, Commissioners. Steve Hammond with the Public Works Department. Um, The answer... You know, I think there may have been an unfortunate answer to your constituent with in regards to okay. the existing shelving that's in use day to day in the central and west wings. That shelving is slated to be replaced with new shelving in the tower, which this bid awards. The existing shelving, because we're on a schedule to demolish central and west, that shelving will for the for the immediate. Future and that's only the immediate future, be moved, secured, and stored so that it can be redeployed elsewhere within the courthouse or within other facilities that the county owns. So there will be stored shelving for that interim while we develop the projects for the east wing. We do the midrise project perhaps, the north wing, the other um, satellite courthouses as well. So there are opportunities to use it. As far as the um, shelving systems that are in storage now, I'm aware of um, some spare parts. I don't know the full inventory of what's being stored now, um, quite honestly.
0: Isn't it more? I'm just curious. Isn't it more financially prudent to utilize the existing shelving that we have in the new courthouse rather than just going and spending money to buy new shelving and then just say, "Hey, in the future we're going to have something to to maybe to put this in"?
1: Logistically, no. Um, Actually, one of the things that we've been very cognizant of, as we developed the project and and formulated our procurement strategy, was the necessity to keep the courthouse running throughout the process of construction, occupancy, and then obviously for the long-term use of the entire complex. So in that, in developing that strategy, we realized early on (laughs) that the the lifeblood of Everybody who uses that courthouse is contained in filing systems. Those filing systems need to be maintained and operable throughout the duration of our construction activities. On the flip side, there's also a process of getting the new shelving installed. So it's not a simple matter of you take the files off, you box up the shelves, you move them over, and you install them. We actually have, I think, a pretty complicated installation process where we're going to be anchoring those um, shelving units and the rails into a post-tension slab system, which, heaven forbid, if we hit one of those post-tensioning cables, there's going to be a pretty big issue. So we know that that's a complicated installation. So to avoid having our stakeholders basically work out of boxes on the floor um, for the interim during the move, which we know is not feasible, um, our plan has always been, you know, with a, after our due diligence and exploring all of the options, to purchase the new shelving subject of the bid you have in front of you, install that, and make a very timely, um, focused move file from shelf to shelf as efficiently as we can during the, during the course of our entire 90-day movement period. OK. Thank you. Commissioner Wexler.
6: Yes, the gentleman that called you called me for years. And I have a file, I can't remember the name because it's been about a year since I I Mm -hmm. sent him to your office. Um, But I had worked with staff and Mr. Jefferson Mm -hmm. as to the reason why we're not repurposing, because it's not, as Steve said, moving shelves, it's repurposing, resizing, uninstalling, reinstalling, and by the way, that's not for free. There's a cost affiliated with all of that. Now, the, ind- the gentleman and I looked at the um, at the tabulation sheet. I don't believe that he responded to this um, RF th- this 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 bid. Do you?
1: I don't. At one point, we took some extra care to try to specify lines that he could represent. Exactly. I don't know his relationship to these.
6: Since I can't talk to you, I want you to kind of of have the backstory, including the fact that all the times that he met with, um, uh, spoke to me and spoke to my assistant, he was also invited to and should have been invited to come here today and and speak to the award and the agenda item as as well. the the issue is, is that he really didn't want this to go out to bid. He wanted his product to be repurposed. And quite frankly, one has to wonder why. Um, and then he was invited that there's a solicitation. Please respond to that solicitation. And without my going in and pulling all my files, I can't mm-hmm. tell you unequivocally that his name isn't there, mm-hmm. the company name, because there are... A number of responses, but I and doesn't none of them. Commissioner, he
1: did. I believe participate up to a point through the procurement process. Okay. Uh, pre-bid meetings, those kind of things. Right. And but
6: I, 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 had done as much as I could do in right. getting information, in having staff identify in writing why it was, why we were going down that road of solicitation versus repurposing mm-hmm. and I was quite satisfied with the answer that staff provided. And mm-hmm. so I want to provide you thank with you. that information today that. and um, with with that I'm prepared to move the item for approval.
0: Thank you. I have a, a quick question and thank Sorry. you so, no, and, and thank you, Commissioner Wexler. So along those lines, what would the cost have been to repurbish the, it to bring it over rather than in lieu of buying new shelving?
1: Commissioner, I don't think I can actually give you a, a good it, how estimate. How about this? Would
0: it have been cheaper?
1: Um, in part, yes. There so are elements cheaper? of the um, existing stock of shelves that are unusable, mm-hmm. and frankly, we didn't do a piece by piece assessment of of that in that detail. Um, frankly, it would be less. Mm-hmm. Although <clears throat> I think the costs of temporary provisions for Keeping the courts running, um, the other potential issues we might have with installations probably may outweigh some of those savings.
10: And, so, and if I might add, I believe that's where the concern was. So while, if you're just looking at the systems themselves, you may or may not have uh, it may may or may not have been cheaper. But the big issue is the logistics, we just had the conversation about what we have to do in the jail to make sure things happen. Same thing with the courthouse, the courthouse has to continue to operate and they need to have access to their files. So taking their files out of play Mm -hmm. um, and how we would go about addressing that clearly, um, I believe, would outweigh any savings that
0: we would have had.
11: Uh, Commissioner Ryan. You know this kind of reminds me of the discussion we had uh with regard to to furniture and we made a decision to spend five million dollars to buy new furniture for the courthouse tower and um at that time part of it was logistics the expense of disassembling furniture and moving it back over also the questions of what the condition of it was and some of the issues that we had in the old courthouse building whether they may somehow be carried over and contaminate the new building Um, but on the on the question of repurposing this this shelving so you're considering repurposing it either in the in the main courthouse you know we're going to have we're going to continue to do some renovations on the northern wing we're also uh, doing uh, extensive renovations on the mid-rise building and then of course we have a south uh, regional courthouse we've got a, a west and we've got a north so it's your intention to use this shelving I mean, somewhere. I want the public to know it's not just yes. going to be surplus. We do have a plan to to utilize
1: it we're, in in the judicial system. We're working. We're developing that plan as we develop our future projects. Okay. So, you know, as you know, right now, for example, the East Wing project, we're in the programming stage. We're determining square footage allotments. There's a big component there for filing. So. There's a built-in savings for complex-wide, I guess, the global courthouse system. Um, and likewise, you know, there are other buildings around. Since we did give, um, and just to kind of go back to your point about the millions that we designated for furniture, we designated $4 million. The procurement that you're looking at today is actually part of that $4 million. So. Um, and we've actually come in less than our estimate, so we're actually doing, a, I think, a really great job in paring things down, saving the money, and that will continue as we redeploy and use the existing systems in the future.
11: Well, everybody I know is is anxious to get into the new courthouse tower and we're still <laughs> on our our last timeline that we had spoke
1: of. <sighs> Approximately, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
11: Say, Thank you for that level of certainty. Uh, you, but, I, th- gave but you, I gave yeah. you everything I have on that.
1: I, I
0: have to tell so. you though, that's where you know part of my problem with this, and I understand where my colleagues are coming from. I think a lot of it is just my overall frustration with the courthouse project. It, boy, yeah, no, I, I just, you Don't know, go you got that that thing taken care of, which we appreciated, Commissioner Wexler. But look, my my problem, you know, and, and this isn't a secret. I mean. If this the project is very over budget and it's about a year late, and so anytime I see any item now on the agenda, I get pause. Especially if I think there's a way we can save some money, and so I hope. Uh, you know, and I and I know you were joking around when you said to Commissioner Ryan that that's an approximate time, but we keep hearing January. We heard last year, then we heard January, then we heard April. Now the other day I heard June. I'm thinking that either Commissioner Wexler and I are going to even be on here by the time people are in there. So I really hope that this thing gets done because it's getting frustrating and it's getting frustrating to our residents. With that said, there's been a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, show one. Uh, Show the item passes 8 to 1. We now are moving on to... Twenty-seven. Oh, that's mayor? right. Item number twenty-seven. Oh, yes, yes of course. I might,
2: it might. It, it may be less our our dedicated staff and more the contractor in that situation. And uh, our former our former mayor before you may have had a point when he talked about litigious nature. Um, Commissioner, we- oh, this is for a uh, recusal. Sure. Uh, this has been
0: pulled by Commissioner Wexler. Item number twenty-seven. Thank
6: you, Thank you Mayor. Um, I did do a PBMI. I got some answers. I ask these questions because I'm hoping, and I'm sorry. I know you were at my door this morning, but she took precedent. She bumped you, and yep. this stuff happens. So, with your permission, Miss Henry, if I, if we could do our conversation publicly. <laughs> for Mr. Walton.
10: Mr. Walton, and Mr. Strobes, if you want to come and assist, Because I think you can be very helpful with. Uh, some of the uh, yeah. response. Actually,
0: it may, Ms. Uh, Commissioner Wexler, if I may, and I, I truly apologize. No, no. Um, at 1230, we have uh, a shade meeting. And um, if, it, stop it, now? if it will, I was hoping we have two delegation. Uh, two, a delegation requests from uh, two yes, mothers yes, here. Yes, yes, yes. May we take this Absolutely. up after?
6: Absolutely. Then you, you want to table this? Yes, okay.
0: please, if that's okay.
6: okay. So Absolutely. No then maybe we can meet.
0: Okay.
6: Thank you.
0: That'd be great. Thank you, Commissioner Wexler oh yeah <laughs> so so
11: the items being heard are you going to do a motion to defer i don't think it needs to be heard. it's just going to come on we're when we come back ta- in what? Yeah. table it yeah right. when we so come we'll back start. in
6: we'll take it up yes so we'll take it up then meanwhile most of my questions may be able to be answered
0: absolutely so now we have uh we're going to move on uh to one more item which is a, a delegation request before we move on to our shade meeting and um we have here uh, rachel skandarian and uh, kyra sierra um uh, our, our are they both here? Just one. Just one. And would you be Miss um, Kandarian? Yes, you are Miss um, Skendarian, Come on up, and um, uh, you know our delegation requests we we allow the public to speak to three minutes to us, and so you know please feel free to take take the three minutes, and you know thank you for being here.
16: Thank you very much. I have uh, petition papers that I'll present after sure. I'm finished. And forgive me, I haven't been up before anyone, any group like you before, so forgive my...
0: um, No, that's okay. Take your time. Thank you.
16: I definitely need these. I don't have these. Good day, esteemed members of the Broward County Commission. In the early hours of March 17, 2013, under a clear night sky... My son, Mikhail, 26-year-old Mikhail Neiman Skandarian, and his best friend, 22-year-old Gerardo Alberto Sierra, were driving home from work at Sundream Yacht Charters, where Mikhail was the chef on his beloved Caprice. As they sped over the poorly lit, jagged, blind hill alongside T.Y. Park on Sheridan Street, their car hydroplaned across three flooded center lane median strips by the sprinklers, Both Mikhail and Gap were killed instantly when their car slammed into the very oak tree that has sadly brought me before you today. It is impossible for me to convey in three minutes why your mercy and compassion hold the key to resolving today's tragedy. That being that after the three years that Mikhail and Gap's tree memorial continues to be a crucial source of healing for families, friends, and community, Out of the blue on Thanksgiving day, my family and I made our still unreal pilgrimage to place holiday flowers at the tree just blocks from my home when we discovered the devastating removal notice posted on the concrete statuary bench I had installed in May 2013. The formal notice cites per Florida DOT statutes as the reason for removal by December 4th and disposal of unretrieved items by January 1st, 2016. I cannot wrap my head around the callous disregard compelling any official with a heart to order this notice be posted of all times at the start of such a difficult time of year when we are still mourning our loss. Why, after 36 months, was the holiday season chosen to issue this insensitive ultimatum? After three months pleading with official gatekeepers, my blessing came from FDOT permits coordinator, Don Preston, who told me he had sent me a map marked in red showing that the memorialized tree is outside of FDOT right-of-way. Therefore, Florida DOT statutes do not apply. Slide number nine, revised are the reasons given by county parks officials claims proven to be without merit as detailed in the three-year visual diary submitted for your review that I hope each of you will study judiciously in making your decision in light of my time more
0: minutes take a couple more minutes thank you so much of course
16: in light of my time limit these overwhelming facts photos and nearly 13,000 petition signatories and comments speak for themselves. Finally, expressing his concern that this is not a cemetery, Parks Director Dan West graciously offered to replace the memorial with a beautifully inscribed bench. Although appreciated, neither should the Sheridan Street sprinklers create a killing field at which two mothers must now mourn our two young sons. In conclusion, thank you for the opportunity to plead my case. Many of you have children, others, nieces, and nephews. Gap was Kiara's only beloved sibling, Mikhail my only beloved child. Life without them is unbearable enough. Please grace us with your mercy and protect this sacred place where we go to connect with their spirits and try to heal our souls. Thank you. I appreciate your...
0: Thank you, Ms. Kenderan. And did you say you had information to give to us?
16: I do, I have.
0: Please feel free to give it to um, the young lady, uh, Caitlin. I'll collect my stuff. This is the 13,000 petitioner signatures and more signatures.
6: And this is this. Can I just ask a- Of course, absolutely. in that information that you've given to the minutes secretary you mentioned the word petitions yes do you also have you you mentioned in your remarks that f dot and i don't know the fellow's name that you said sent you a letter that that tree is outside of their jurisdiction do you have that in writing it's right there
16: there it is it's fdot map it he marked the map that i uh, that I showed on the slide, that, it was that, his that,
6: map. As long as it's part of the yes, record, ma'am, I, it is. I would like to see that.
0: Thank yes. you. Definitely. Well, thank you very thank much. Thank you so and,
6: much. I appreciate your time. Of
0: course. Thank you for being here. Okay. Um, with that said, it's 1225 without, or 1227, without taking up the next item. Let's adjourn. And oh, before that, I have a, a script I need to read. It um, oh, yeah, recess, that's right. Uh, we, are on, we are now on item number 49. The county attorney will read a brief statement, and after that statement, we will move the meeting to the Broward County Commission to room 430 for the open and closed portions of the attorney client meeting. Ms. Coffey.
9: The Office of the County Attorney is requesting a closed attorney client meeting, seeking guidance regarding settlement negotiations related to Broward County versus State of Florida Department of Juvenile Justice, First District Court of Appeal, case number one d 144219 which has been consolidated with various other cases. The closed attorney-client meeting has been scheduled today in room 430. The estimated length of the closed attorney-client meeting is one hour. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ms. Coffey. We'll now uh, recess and head over to room 430.